Howdy, 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 and welcome to Thriving in the Transition, the podcast. Season 2, episode 19. Folks, inclusive, that's two episodes left in the season. I'm humbled and blessed to be able to bring this podcast to you and to be part of your lives. Your feedback, encouragement, and connection make it all worthwhile. Doing this and connecting with you is truly amazing and inspirational for me, and I hope you feel the same. So, yay me, yay you, and yay us. As we continue to grow, refine our content, and broaden our audience, go ahead, give us that elusive five-star rating. Follow us, subscribe, add positive comments, like us, or give us a thumbs up. What I'm ultimately saying, you should connect with us. You should engage with us. We're now up and available pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcast. Simply search for us, Thriving in the Transition, wherever you listen to great podcasts. We strive to be among that list of great podcasts that you listen to, rely upon, and ultimately find useful. Why am I doing this? Well, I guess I wanted to create a platform and community where I could share my thoughts, my stories, and my experiences with the sole purpose of connecting with and helping others. You know, an outlet where I can be my authentic self. I want to be that pebble that creates ripples in the waters of life. Simply stated, I want to be remembered and I want to change the world. And I want you to be part of the Thriving in the Transition movement. Public service announcement number one. If you don't blow your own horn, someone might use it as a spittoon. And nobody wants that. The truth is simply that I want to practice what I preach. I absolutely believe that part of my purpose in this life is to connect with others and bring people together. I want to highlight and exemplify the fact that Well, we've got more in common than we do in difference. Of course, the differences are much easier to identify, but discovering and appreciating the commonalities, that's much more fun and much more important. So, yeah, that's partly why I'm doing this. The other part, or the rest of the story, as to why I'm doing this is that I want to shine a light on those slightly enigmatic charismatic, and inspirational people among us. I want to share their stories about thriving in and during times of transition. The theory being that hearing about other people succeed will give anyone that may be struggling the motivation or encouragement to continue and thrive in their own respective transitions. Today, I bring you a conversation about going back to school or getting additional certifications or whatever continuing education fits you. And best of all, I'm not alone. We get to hear from Steve Ryman and Celine Finney too. Going back to school is a big transition for anyone and that's what we're talking about. We'll explain our experiences and even share some tips and tricks right after this little break. Intro and outro music by Genesis 7. You can listen to more of his music on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, or wherever you stream your music. Just search for Genesis 7. That is G-E-N-E-S-I-S, and then the number 7 directly behind it. If you're interested in purchasing music from him, shoot him a note on the contact form on his website at Genesis7Productions.com. Driving in the transition fans, you are in for a treat. And I know I say that almost every time I have a guest. Sometimes I lie. This time I actually really, really mean it. Uh, I am joined by none other than Steve Ryman. I know you've been missing him all season. I reserved him to the end so you'd listen the whole season and not give up on me. And as if that wasn't enough, we've got Celine Finney. So Celine Finney, Steve Ryman. Welcome back to Thriving in the Transition. It's good to be back, Will, and hello there, Celine. 
Why, hello, Steve. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Will. I'm, I'm happy to be back. <laughs> and I love it. Sounds like you two are hosting a parade somewhere. Uh, but I love it. Let's just run with it. We learned how so, to do this when we went back to school. That's oh, true. Oh, that's true. Those are soft skills. Yes. Oh, wow. Soft skills and going back to school. See what they did there, folks? If not, let me clarify. This week, we're going to talk about going back to school, right? So I couldn't afford Rodney Dangerfield. That's why Steve's here. He's, he's the comic relief. Although, I'm going to throw you under the bus already, Steve. How much research did you put into this? Well, first off, no respect. No respect. So, thank you. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me that. I I just knew. And and I will say, I may have a few notes here. I may have a few quotes, a few stats, a few figures. You know, I may try to throw them out here and there, but – you know, I didn't go overboard by any means, but what can I say, Will? If I didn't do it, you would be disappointed, and I just can't. Oh, and so I, I would expect nothing less, and I'm glad you held true to form. And so, Celine, clearly you were here for the balance, right? Me and Steve yeah. having a conversation just goes all kinds of wrong. So keep yeah. us honest. Keep us straight. Okay, going back to school, and obviously later in life. You, you've heard my story a little bit. Uh, but I went back to get an MBA when I was 35, which at the time made me like the old dude in class. Steve, what's your story? What did you go back for? How old were you? Uh, just level set. Sure, absolutely. And I'll be happy to get into some additional details later if you like. But to answer your question, I went back at the age of 44. And I went back, not for my MBA, but I went back for a master's in communications with my emphasis being in strategic communications and public relations. And yes, on the first day of class, my wife has a picture of me standing in front of the door, just like the little kindergartners and first graders of the world, holding up a sign saying, first day of school, and then in parentheses, in 23 years. So, yeah, (laughs) needless to say, I went back a little later than probably most, but just finished this past August. Beautiful. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Celine, how about you? What did you go back for, and how long had it been since you were in a class environment? Well, I went back, I think I was around 40. I went back for my MBA. It had been 15 years, and I was a total liberal arts student before that. So, you know, talk about some rough times and punishment there. But, yeah, I did it. The reason that I, I wanted to have this conversation and to be part of Thriving in the Transition, many of us as adults, as professionals, we get to that point and either we want more, we need more, whether it's for a promotion or, or our own personal satisfaction, we need to take that leap. And I thought, who better than the two of you to share experiences, to give those people that may be pondering, considering that extra motivation. And obviously, I, I think you guys have some cool stories, so we want to make sure we get those out there as well. Steve, you gave us the first day with the chalkboard. Super cheesy, by the way. No offense. Of course, thank you. Uh, Happy to do it. <laughs> what was the experience like for you? Yeah, so just to give you a little bit of background, so I want to be able to provide the listeners some content um, to say, yeah, Will, you're right. I mean, professionally, you gave some reasons why people go back. And I would also say for me, some of those professional reasons were there as well. Uh, and then there were also some personal reasons. So here's the context. Um, I have for a number of years really felt the need to innovate professionally. So Yes, there's been some small variations, but for the most part, I've had the same line of work for the past 20 years. Um, and on top of that, you know, should I find myself in a situation where I'm back in the, in the job search market, the, there was this lingering question on my mind, how will I distinguish myself? Now, that on top of in 2017 and 2018, I was in an unrealized transition. And what I would say to that is I had just come off probably what would be considered the most successful year that I had had in my career. Uh, I had won an award. I almost said a major award, but then everyone thinks of a leg lamp. No, I didn't win a leg lamp that year. But it was, it was, it was a big award. But then also I had just finished up a major project that was working with our home office in Princeton, New Jersey. And 
I had realized a lot of growth through that special project. And that project was about six months in length total. And it really given me some new purpose from being stretched during that project. After the project ended, things just kind of went back to normal for me. And I felt a, a real growth void, if that makes sense. And a void really from, you know, no longer being around the community that I'd also created and working with uh, the various people in the home office as well. So for me professionally, there was that void. And then on a personal level, I'll just say, it, I went through a lot of contemplation. This was something that I had thought about for years about going back to school. And finally, I ended up having kind of a, a council meeting, if you will, with some of my own personal board of directors, as I like to call them, or mentors. And I decided school was really the best next step for me. So, you know, you just um, had the episode not long ago in season two, I believe it was episode 18, about the, about the danger in knowing. And for me, it was not even the knowing part, but the fear of not knowing what was in store that really kept me from moving forward all those years. And I always found one excuse, one reason after another, you know, not to do it. But by 2018, I'll just say, I, I got to the point, Will, that I realized I needed to go back to school for myself personally. Mm -hmm. So that's really, uh, really my story of what got me back to school. Awesome. And so I think, folks, you're going to hear some commonalities in, in all three stories. Before I tie some of that stuff up or, or link it, I just want to give major kudos to Steve for coming up with new words. So we've, we've got growth void. Right, I'm sure you haven't heard that anywhere. So growth void. It's hyphenated. It's hyphenated. And and an unrealized transition, right? Like I'm like sitting here taking notes. I'm like, how can I make these mine now? Uh, so well done, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Happy to help. Happy to contribute. <laughs> All right, Celine, I, I want to hear from you next. So what what was it like for you? Or, or let's let's like, let's level set. Let's take Steve's lead. Why did you go back after? 15 years. So <clears throat> I, uh, I, have, I had a master's in historic preservation, which I had to get in order to get a job in historic preservation. And by the time I've been doing the work, five years post-master's, there was no promotions, there was no job growth, and there were no jobs anymore. They, you found that they were becoming part-time, that... There was no funding that, you know, it was just getting really, really dicey. And at that point, I was 35, and I was like, I've got to do something. I've got to ensure security and stability. At the time, I was married to an archaeologist, which wasn't much better than being an architectural historian, and there was just no stability. So, like I said earlier, I went from liberal arts background to biting the bullet and realizing I had to do lots of math to get into this MBA. I hadn't done math in 25 years. I had a college algebra background, and I went straight into this MBA program to get the stability and security and be able to branch out. And it was good because I ended up getting divorced and having no job. And so the MBA ended up helping me achieve that stability, which I have now. But it was, it was a tough challenge, and um, I'm really glad I went back. I think everyone at this point knows I've, I've got a background in engineering. So I've got a chemical engineering degree undergrad, BS, and I, I worked in, in with that degree for about a decade, and I realized I was no longer passionate about what I did. I, I needed something more. So, yes, there was the personal fulfillment, and, Steve, I think you alluded to that. But, Celine, you also alluded to – to growth and career potential, I, I was kind of done with what I was doing. So I, I needed to make a transition, literal career transition. So I went back and I got my MBA uh, with concentrations in HR management and entrepreneurship, and that became my vehicle to change careers, to follow my passions, to do that thing, to do those things that I couldn't do as an engineer. I like to say that I, I chose the MBA to round out my toolkit. Uh, I had all these great classes in, in math and science, those things that uh, were a challenge for you, Celine, the, the math, but I didn't get the chance to do anything else. Uh, I didn't have the opportunity to take finance classes or stats or you know HR management or any of that stuff. So that was my opportunity to do that. And poof, here I am now. Yes, there's a lot of stuff 
in between, but that was my impetus or the reason for going back. And I love how all of our reasons are different. I love how we each overcame barriers, and that's sort of the stuff I want to get into now. And Steve, you'll, you'll be proud of me. In fact, folks, this was absolutely Steve's idea. Uh, it worked out really well, and it sounded really cool. I, I can't take credit for it. We put a survey on LinkedIn asking professionals, basically, why don't you go back to school or why haven't you gone back to school? And the four top barriers that we, we gave them, uh, time, meaning there's not enough time to go back. Second one, also time, but it's been too long since I've gone back. Number three, money, meaning you can't afford it. And then the fourth, meaning there's no benefit to me now. And this is the first time that anyone gets to hear about these results. My question for you, Steve and Celine, once I give these results, I'm looking for feedback. Like, what do you think? What surprises you? What do you notice? So of all the respondents, 25% uh, said their reason for not going back was there wasn't enough time. 14% said it had been too long since they were in school or a certification program. Uh, nearly 30%, 29% said that it was the money, that they couldn't afford it. And then another third, 32%, uh, said there's no benefit to me now. So I'm going to pause. What do you guys think? And Celine, I want to start with you this time. What do you think about those results? You know, those were some of the same thoughts that I was having at the same time. But you just got to jump into it. If you really want to do it or you really realize that you're going to run out of options, you just do it. Uh, the lack of time, I mean, I know that. It was brutal. And I went back at 40 instead of being in my early 20s. So I couldn't pull late-nighters anymore. And I had to take care of a child, and I was out of work part of that time. But then when I had a job, I would drive to San Antonio, which is 100 miles away, one way, and back and go to school at night. So it was pretty rough there for a long time. But, yeah, if you want to do it, you can. Um, the money, you know, at the time I became a single parent, I was able to get scholarships. I did have to take out student loans, which I didn't want to, but, you know, I did. And you can get funding for different reasons, different types of scholarships, you know, whatever. You can't get that. So don't let that be an inhibition. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. The not being beneficial, I mean, that's a tough call because you know yourself the best, obviously. So some people, it may not be beneficial. You have to, as we're older, you have to weigh out the, the return on your investment. Will you get back what you invested in going back to school? I don't know. That's something you really have to look at. In my case, I had to do something. The projected growth in historic preservation, depending on what year you look at the information, projected growth is 2% to maybe 6% at the most. That's, that's not a sustainable or viable growth industry. So, you know, you just have to weigh out your options. Nice. And I, I'm just shocked that historic preservation isn't on the booming careers of 2022, Celine. What, what do you mean? <laughs> Sorry. Now he's just being mean. <laughs> okay, everyone else out there was thinking the same thing. It was not just Yeah, see, me. and that's how you get out of jury duty because that's a right way Soccer. Fool. <laughs> And, and, you know, when you look at the statistics and whatever, the closest we, can, we match up to is archaeology and everybody, all the articles are like, don't be an archaeologist, don't be a historian. And it's like, also don't be an architectural historian or somebody in historic preservation. I, I'm picking up what they're laying down there. Yeah. But, uh, nice. <laughs> but when I started, when I was 18, 19 years old, it was a brand new field. It was like 15, 20 years old. And it was like full of old hippies, and yay, we're going to go save the day in all the old buildings. And Yeah, no, it didn't happen that way. It was a lie. It was a lie, but it wasn't, right? And, and that, so that's partly why I made the joke, right? Now we can look back like, why would anyone go to historic preservation? It was the new thing. Life changes. Yeah. The world changes. And as people, we have to adjust too. So I, mm -hmm. I, I 
So there, there was a method to my madness. And, yes, it was a little mean, but only a little, Celine. I've, I've been way more mean. That's, it's that I, maybe I shouldn't admit to that on air. It, okay, I'm, I'm putting my foot yeah. in my mouth. Steve. We've witnessed uh, that. We've witnessed that, yes. Yeah. yeah. Testify. Uh, yeah. I will check that you've been more mean. Meanness. I have seen you more <laughs> mean, yes. I've, I've We're created here for you, monsters. Well. See, see what yeah. I deal with, folks. All about the support. <laughs> see, so much for my community. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, Steve. What, okay, you, you heard the same stats. What do you think? Any surprises for you? Well, there were a couple of surprises here, and, and just going through them here, you know, the first one, like you said, Will, was time, not enough. You know what? I would expect that. Um, I think that's common for anybody who, you know, is either researching a, a program or a path uh, and just thinking, okay, you know, especially at this stage in our life, we've got kids' activities. We've got our own professional uh, constraints. Maybe, uh, you know, if you're married, you still want to be a decent spouse, obviously. We've got parents and grandparents maybe that are aging that maybe we're having to take care of. So, I mean, there are so many different reasons, even outside of yourself with just everything you've got going on at work and things like that, that certainly come into play here. But here's what I would say, and this was something I was going to share a little bit later on, and I didn't know if we were going to go this direction, Will, or not, but I'll, I'll share it. And I just kind of made a list of, in my mind, what I thought it took to be successful whenever pursuing a, a, a or to further your education. And one of the things that came to mind was effective time management. And that was, you know, you got to find ways of being strategic regarding your time whenever you're going back to school. And I'll give you an example. So for what I do, as uh, some of your listeners might remember, I am in pharmaceutical sales currently. And I usually, well, prior to COVID, would spend about 60,000 miles per year in my car. So I'm spending a lot of time on the road covering different parts of Missouri. Well, one of the things I did as I was going through school is let's say I had a a research paper coming up or uh, a big project I was going to work on. I would actively go out and find podcasts that were about the subject matter and that would be able to provide me context. And then as I'm traveling to and from my destinations, I'm listening to those podcasts. So I was really trying to use time wisely to make the most out of that, that you know, even while I'm traveling, I can start working on school-related projects and things of that nature. So that would be uh, my suggestion there. So that doesn't surprise me. I could see that. As far as time, it's been too long, only came in at 14%. I got to tell you, I'm actually glad, and it's refreshing, that it came in so low, in my opinion, because I would have thought that especially – you know, but, and we don't know the ages of the people that, you know, participated in the, in the program here or in the survey, but I would have thought that would have been a higher number. Um, the money that can't afford it coming in at 29%, that doesn't surprise me, and that can certainly be a constraint. And Celine put it very well. You've got to look at your return on investment. I am very fortunate in the fact that, for me, my company still offers a very lucrative tuition reimbursement plan to where, all said, they probably paid about 85 or 90% of my tuition. Um, so in a wow. case like that, I really felt like, okay, if I'm not using this benefit, then that's really shame on me, you know, especially with, with the, the need, as I expressed earlier, of, of needing or feeling like I needed to do it. Now, the one that I would really love to sit down with those who responded and said, no benefit to me now, I would love to know what is the thought process behind that? Because to me, that's where some additional conversation needs to be had um, because no benefit to me now in what way? I would just really love to explore that one more. I don't know. Will, what do you think with all these results? You jumped to the one that caught my attention, and but I actually went reverse, right? So 32% said no benefit to me now. I completely agree. There, there needs to be some thought, some consideration. What do you want out of life? Are you really where you want to be? All of those things. But like you said, see, we, we don't know those answers. So I, I flipped it. So if 32% say there's no benefit to me, that means that there's 68%, the, the sum of the other three categories, that they've got a barrier. So 68% of people that answered our survey, they're being stopped from pursuing something that literally could change their life, fulfill a lifelong dream, 
make more money, set their family up for future success, they're being stopped. And that's why I wanted to, us to get together, the three of us, to talk about why we did what we did because it may give someone in that 68% the motivation to go ahead and be like, hey, if these three knuckleheads could do it, uh, <laughs> I can too. And so that's the way that struck me. And as far as the, the specifics, yeah, not enough time, too much time since I've been, not enough money. Yes, absolutely been there. Uh, and Steve, I, I love where you went giving that, that big tip uh, on time management and making the use of that. It still boggles my mind. Every time I hear it, I've known you forever, and I've known that stat forever, but 60,000 miles every year. I'm, I'm sidetracking myself, but just a sobering <laughs> statistic. It just really, really is. But well, thank using God it's that a company time, car. <laughs> right? And I'm sure people were asking that question. So uh, thank goodness for that as well. So I'm, I'm happy for you there. That tip on time management, making the use of whatever time you have to, to get to where you want to be. My tip and the thing that really helped me, and Celine, I'm going to give you notice now. I'm putting you on deck to see what tips you have from your experience for folks. It's not to take such a big transition all at once. And I think you've all heard the story at some point. After I made my transition, I was already in my MBA program. I was working uh, at my, my current company. My manager walked by looked at me and kind of shook his head and said, I don't know if I could have done it if I were you. And I'm like, could have done what? I, I didn't do anything. He's like, the transition from engineering and operations to what you're doing now, that's so big, I don't think I could have done it. And I thought, holy crap, if I thought of it the way he just phrased it, which I suspect part of that 68%, they're thinking of it as something that big, I wouldn't have done it either. I thought of it as simply something that I had to do. If I didn't do this, I wasn't going to be happy. I wasn't going to be fulfilled. Therefore, I would do whatever I needed to, whether that's ignoring the time, making the time, using Steve's tip, finding a way to pay for it. And, yes, I, I've got student loans. And let me tell you, student loans for an MBA at, like, right now, I think it's, well, it's at 0% interest rate one of the benefits of, of COVID and some of the instability going around. But when that kicks back in, it's at like 7.3% interest. Yeah, maybe too much information for you, but that was my thing. So my tip, break it down. Don't look at it as such a big thing. Look at it more in terms of what's actually going to motivate you. Determine your real why for going back or getting the degree or the certification or whatever. Celine, any tips there? Again, Steve and I like to talk. You know that. <laughs> what, what do you see? I mean, yeah, I think you guys have hit a lot of things square on. I mean, with me, like I, yeah, I said, it was such a radical change. It was, it was a lot of playing catch-up. And, you know, Steve talks about um, double-dipping, you know, being very effective with his time. I did the same thing. I had to pick courses because math and me, you know, historians can't do math. I'm not going to lie. We just, we just can't. And so I had to pick things that I was good at. And that was, I, my background was studying cultural backgrounds and ethnic identities. So when I took the human resources classes, I knew I could do those and I wouldn't have to focus and study. I could do those in my sleep. Um, I could tell you a funny story about one of my semester finals in one of those classes, but it's probably not good. And then I would focus the rest of the, my time in um, on my math classes. So you've just got to be very strategic and very efficient. I got a couple questions for yeah. Celine. The first one, Celine, when you do math, do you do it in BC and AD? I'm just curious. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. Wow. Okay. Had to throw that out there. Well, you know okay. what? When I went back, this is going to be terrible, but I had just gotten over chemotherapy. So not only did I find out that so I totally couldn't read or write anymore. And I got over those humps, go back to school, found out I couldn't even do basic math. So I'm sitting in here in graduate-level courses going, I can't even add and subtract anymore. It was horrible. I had to drop my math classes a few times too. So I had some challenges. Okay, so that takes me to my second question. Wonderful segue, by the way. How on God's green earth did you handle accounting? Because I will tell you that is one of the biggest turnoffs 
for me to get an MBA. I was like, no, I, if I had to sit through, cause I was for those people who don't know, I was a, a business major and focused on marketing. So I had, you know, I ruined a perfectly good summer with an eight week accounting two class for my undergrad ruined the summer. So to have to sit through another accounting class again, I would have taken a pen and just, you know, poked my eyeballs out. How on God's green earth did you go through that and able to do that? Well, well you know, and I talked to my historian friends, and we, we discussed accounting, finance, you know, all that, that math. And our conclusion is it's magic. Now, math-minded people tell you that you just follow your nose and you get the answer correctly. And with us, it's a crapshoot. You may get it right. You probably won't. It's just magic. <laughs> See, you call it magic. I would, I would call it voodoo, but that's a whole other story for a whole other day. You know, yeah, but I got through accounting, and I was like up that teacher's butt every day. I need help. I need help. I'm trying. Here's what I tried. And he would look at it, and he's like, well, you kind of have the idea. And, yeah, I see where you think it's magic because you screwed up, you know, at the very beginning. Two steps in, you know. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm going to jump in. I've, I've got three things. First and foremost, if I get any hate mail, hate email, dirty text messages about dissing historians and historic preservation professionals, I'm going to direct them to both of you. So that's one. <laughs> okay, the second and third topics I'll, I'll mention together, and I, I want to hear from, from you guys. What I've, what I've heard in this conversation, there's something around using the skills that you bring to the table to get to where you want. Celine. Math wasn't your strong suit, but this, nope. this cultural background, you found a way to, to shine there. So there's, there's balance, right? So using what you have to get what you want or to help move forward. And then, Celine, you also threw out pestering the professor for help and, and extra tutoring, which, again, Steve, you know probably where I'm going, building that community getting the help where you need, not being so proud to, as to not ask for help or thinking you can do it on your own, because no matter what it is, no one does it alone. No, you're right. I mean, you know, that made me think of something, because um, we all know that I couldn't do math, but I could write research papers. I mean, I've written so nice. many research papers. I sound a little Trumpy there. I apologize. I've done so many. But I would build <laughs> Wow, that came from left field, and I love it. <laughs> Written so many. They're the most excellent research papers ever. I'm the best no. research paper writer ever. They're great research so papers. Many. Really good. The best. The best research papers out hey, there. You've never seen research papers like my research papers. We can build a wall. I think my mom always said, you have to blow your own horn or people will use it as a spittoon, so I'm blowing my horn. So I would uh, – Hold on. I'm going to write that down. Spittoon. Oh, my gosh. Did your world just Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So for the listeners, so anyway. yes, you want to go ahead You want to go ahead and hit the 15 rewind button now twice because you want to hear that quote again. So like please for real. And then, and then proceed with the rest of the podcast. Okay, Celine. <laughs> yeah, you're saying. <laughs> so I would make friends with it because the math people could not write. And I would be, and I hate to dog engineers, Will, but it, engineers are not known for writing either. So we would all get in this group. The engineers would do math. And, you know, all the math people, the financial people, they would do the math. We'd all work on our projects, projects and I would write the papers. And I, we, would, we would ace the class. And that's the only way we could we could all get through. And I would cook awesome. supper for the younger ones, too. I'd be like, come over to my house. Let's do our projects. Y'all do the math. And I will cook. And, you know, starving students, they're like, yes. Celine got her MBA by blackmailing people. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the Blackmail MBA Cookbook by Celine. Right. <laughs> All right, Steve, what about you? So it, I, I'm curious as, as to what you're going to pull out with this. Well, so you know what, Will? I got to go. You put, it, you put it up on a tee for me, so I'm going to have to swing at it. And, and yep. that is build a community. And, I mean, for anybody that's heard any of the other episodes that I've been on, I just – I will sound that trumpet just – repeatedly. You've got to build that community. Uh, and I think that is such a key to success. Now, I would try to, in each one of my classes, 
find people who, whether through like-minded discussions or maybe even sometimes not like-minded, right, try to expand the horizon a little bit. But to me, you've got to have that sense of community, whether it's butts in seats, whether it's online. It makes all the difference in the world. And, and Will, like you said, you threw that out there. And yes, absolutely, to me, that is a major area of success. In addition to, like you said already, you got to know your purpose going into it as well, right? And the other thing I'll throw out there is you get out of it what you put into it. Uh, oh now my that gosh, being said, right? absolutely. So now going back to the community thing, I will say this: uh, even with an online forum, for me. Yeah, there's pros and cons, right, to both ways, right, whether it's a hybrid of each one or whether you're actually butts in seats and seeing everyone face-to-face or doing it all online. One of the coolest things for me was the, the, uh, the type of breadth of individuals that were in my classes. Mm. And I'll give you this example. For example, we were in uh, crisis communications, since my focus is on strategic communications, and we were doing a case study. And some of your listeners may be familiar with around, I think it was 20. 15, 2016, when Volkswagen, otherwise known as VW, had the uh, turbo diesel crisis to where uh, their emissions test didn't, the, the test didn't live up to how it was billed, and the EPA came after Volkswagen, and I mean, it, it was a major crisis for, for the Volkswagen brand. Well, lo and behold, as we're going through that, there was actually one of my classmates was employed and is currently employed with the EPA and was actually on the, the, the task force or the group, the department that went after Volkswagen. So he was able to provide us public documents, first and foremost, don't want to get anybody in trouble here, but these were all documents that were public that you probably wouldn't find in, a, in just a normal Google search, but he was able to direct us to them that provided us just so much more in-depth uh, about the, the case. But it's really tapping into those different people that are in your class to get their perspective. And some of these people were from around the world. I mean, there was a, a, a woman in our class, actually I had three classes with her who I got to know very well, who uh, actually lived outside the embassy in Warsaw, Poland, the U.S. embassy. Her husband was the military uh, attache to the, to the uh, ambassador of Poland. And so, you know, it's just things like that, that as you're, as you're going to school, connecting with the people around you, that uh, I can still say even today, I still keep in contact with so many of these people. But yes, forming those kind of community connections are so vitally important. Yeah, no, I agree, Steve. And I still keep in touch with some of them. And um, you talk about the, the variety of backgrounds, but also since we're going back uh, old, as older students, that the age differences. And so you get that depth of um, perception that's also different. The, the younger generation has a different idea and different approaches to maybe how we would do things. So you get that more complex, more layered view, and you can apply it to your projects. So completely agree. I, I still keep in touch with folks from my program. And I, I do have, you know, one other perspective to add. You know, we're talking about uh, the variety of, of people that you meet, and that can be an encouragement factor, something that we don't necessarily factor in when we think of going back to school or getting a certification or degree or whatever the case may be. One thing that I'm thinking, hearing both of you talk, and I don't know if anyone else noticed, but the mood sort of brightened up. Right. So although it was hard, although it was a challenge, although it was, you know, this major transition, I think for all of us, there are some fond memories there. Right. One of my fond memories is that going back to school became a point of validation for me. And I'll explain that just a little bit. Going out into the working world, you you take a leap of faith, right? You get a degree or whatever your background is, and then you go to the working world. When you go back to school, I found myself like, oh, I know all of this, or some of it, right? Although I, I hadn't taken a business class, I've actually managed people. So when you're in a management class, you talk about that lived experience. And as adult learners, that is huge, right? You have to be able to share your experience and learn new things and how to apply it. And it's that application of going back for that advanced degree that I really, really enjoyed. So I guess I made it two points, right? One, it's validation for the experience that you bring with you, but then you get to apply it. And that's, that's some of the stuff that I really liked. Uh, thoughts on that? 
Yeah, you know, one thing I will throw out there, Will, just to, to kind of piggyback on that. I mean, you're right. And then, you know, like we were talking about before, you just never know what the future holds, right? And how I mentioned that I've basically been doing the same line of work now for 20 years. And should I find myself in a situation, because my industry is no different than anyone else's industry, where um, you go through periods of waxing and waning, you know, you go through layoffs and things like that. I wanted to be as prepared as I could. And I will say, yes, you know, here's the public service announcement. Here's where some of the, the facts and figures come in that I, uh, I had researched for this. But when you look at the number of people out there who currently have gone back to school or the type of people that we're talking about here, since 2000, the number of people aged 25 and over whose highest degree was a master's has doubled to 21 million. So it went from around wow. 10.4 million in 2000 to in 2018, and that's, this is coming from the U.S. Census Bureau, so it's an eight-year difference there, or I'm sorry, 18-year difference there, but 10.4 to 21 million, and the, in 2018, about 13% of U.S. adults, again, 25 years of age or older, have an advanced degree, which is up from 8.6% in 2000, and then the last statistic I'll throw out here, in 2000, one-third of people with at least a bachelor's degree had completed an advanced degree. By 2018, 37% had done so. So, you know, if you find yourself in a situation to where now you're having to compete, you know, yes, obviously we want those employers who are interviewing us and looking at us to really get to know us. But at the same time, you know, before they do that, you've got to stand out on paper. Uh, you've got to find a way of differentiating yourself from others. And when you start looking at the number of people that are going back to grad school and are getting these degrees, you know, you may actually end up being more qualified than, from, compared to them based off of your experiences and things you've done, but you've also got to find a way of standing out on paper up front. So, you know, to me, I think that's also very important as you're looking back as to some of these reasons why as well. No, I think that's very true because, yeah, on paper, you've got to remain competitive. I mean, used to, you didn't have to worry about it as much. You could have a job. You could either stay there or you would have um, a good network of friends, but as we become more mobile and it becomes more virtual, you've constantly, constantly got to stay abreast of what's going on and you know, either get certifications or the education to give yourself the cutting edge because it is fierce out there. Celine, I, I, well, both of you. So Celine, love what you just said, and Steve, thank you for bringing us there and, and supporting it with, with stats. I can't help but go back to that 32% that answered that poll and said there was no benefit or no use to me right now. Is, is that perhaps a naive view of the world given what we just talked about? But, you know, I, have right. a, I wonder, I have, I, I wondered when I saw that, how much of that has been in response to our recent political climate because people have been dogged for being educated. You've got some segment of the population who is angry or frustrated and they are telling everyone education is worthless, education doesn't pay, blah, blah, blah. So are these people responding maybe out of fear that I don't think it will do me any good because they're being intimidated or something? And that, that very well could be, and I, I think, Celine, that offers a, a good segue. I, I want to get very practical right now with, with each of us because we've got a group of folks listening that may be on the fence or considering um, going back or getting certification. And again, Celine, that point about being, and Steve, being global, the, the market being saturated, being more virtual, be, all of this stuff comes into play. But my practical question, and it, again, in light of maybe it was a political climate, it, it very well could be, was it worth it? Given everything we've talked about, looking at those survey results, given your personal experiences, was it worth it? Was going back to school, getting that degree worth it? Selena, I'll let you go first if you like. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go first. Um, you know, right now I haven't really realized a whole lot of my MBA. but So there have been times that I'm like, was it really worth it? Was it worth the struggle? But now that I'm, I've opened up my LinkedIn to recruiters and all that, and I'm getting more hits and more recruiters contacting me, I'm like, yeah, I think maybe it was. It absolutely was. And when they come back and give me the statistics of how many people have my background nationwide, it's like, 
wow, yeah, I think it is starting to be worth it and pay off. For me, yeah, for me, Will, I would say absolutely 100% yes. You know, and I, again, this is where I, I'm still just baffled by the, the no benefit to me now. And, you know, for example, I wonder how many people really thought about that from like a financial standpoint. Because if I looked at it at a financial standpoint, I could sit there and say, well, I don't know that, you know, me going back and getting a master's really was, is going to help me out down the road as far as increase my pay grade or anything like that. Or, you know, there's no direct tie to what I'm doing now that then says, oh, you now have a master's. Okay, we're now going to pay you this by my employer. But as we talked about earlier, for me, again, in 2018, I needed to go back to school. It wasn't so much about the external environment around me, but it was about internally, what was going on in my, my mind, what was going on really in my soul. And for me, yes, it was absolutely worth going back. I'll, I'll make it unanimous for the group of folks on this call. It absolutely was worth it. Everything that Sween said, everything that you said, Steve, uh, goes for me as well. Uh, and I love this, the, the point that you made. Yes, going through the, the program itself was worth it, that experience, the people, the, the self-discovery. But I'm, I'm what, heading, approaching 11 years post my MBA. Uh, and I'm still discovering and evolving and becoming a different person. And that's all thanks to having gone back to school. And I, I wanted, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't loop this back in. I'm so glad I got out of my comfort zone. So for those 32% that said they don't see a benefit, are they speaking from their comfort zone, that place that they know, that career that you are familiar with, that you know the ins and outs, how it works, as opposed to potentially doing something new? What's the unknown? What's the possibility? outside the comfort zone. I'm so glad I got out of my own way that I got out of my comfort zone to get to where I am now on this journey to put myself out there, to be able to bring great people like the two of you on, to have these conversations, all with the intentions of helping other people. This, this has been a blast. Uh, I, I, we're, we're in the wrap-up phase. Uh, I just want to give anyone a, a last opportunity what else? What's, what's that one thing that you'd leave listeners with, either why they should do it, a tip or trick, or an experience that you want to share? I wanted to add, um, and I don't think we covered it, I like when I went back to school minus the math classes, I thought it was a whole lot easier. The course material, and I think that comes with maturity. You've already been through school once. You've got a lot of life experiences, and, you know, some of the materials is going to be way easier. You don't have to put as much effort into it as you maybe thought you would have. So don't be crippled by, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? I don't know how to study or whatever. A lot of it comes more easily than you may think. Love it. I think, I think that's a great point, Celine, just from the standpoint that we've had so many more life experiences now than we did when we were 18 to 22 in undergrad, right? So I found myself a lot of times, you know, examples are getting brought up or discussions had, and I was able to pull out some of the the previous experience or, or things that have happened to me, say, over the last 10 years, and provide that as added context as well. So I completely agree with that. I, and again, it just went to the, to the whole point I made earlier. I loved that process of learning. I loved all of it. Research papers, loved it. Actually got in trouble once for writing a research paper twice the length of what it needed to be. I swear he didn't tell us that there was any sort of limit to that paper. But that's a whole other point for a whole other day. So Will, I will say uh, one other thing I was going to throw out there, another reason behind why I did it, I wanted my kids to see that, you know, number yeah. one, pers- that there needs to be personal growth. You know, and well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. I think my children sometimes hold me in the steam that, you know, since dad loves to learn, dad already knows it all. Um, since I'm happy to give my advice to them willy-nilly, and, you know, even without being asked, I wanted them to see that it's okay to reinvent yourself, that, you know what, I may not always have the answers, that I am still seeking growth even at this age. And, you know, you don't always have to do what you did 20 years ago. You know, my oldest daughter's getting ready to, to go to school next year to, to be a nurse. And that's great. I love that. But one of the things I want to also let her know is, you know, whenever you get done with uh, the nursing program and you're out there and you find that, 
you know, this other area also interests me. Okay, great. Pursue that. Just because you make a decision at 22 to do something doesn't mean that's what you necessarily need to do your whole life. And we always need to, to reinvent for that matter. And for that matter, I would also say seeking additional knowledge is so important that I want my daughters to see and that they're also never too old to learn. Now, in summary, Will, I will say this. How many times do you start the podcast with something, and I'm going to paraphrase here, that you say that you want to be that pebble that causes the ripple on the surface of water, right? That's it. Yeah. Well, I would also throw out a a particular quote that I found from a book I'm reading that I really am enjoying right now. The title of the book is calling Working Identity, Unconventional Strategies for Reinventing Your Career, and the author is Hermania, that's how you pronounce it, Abara, I believe, is the, the proper pronunciation of her last name, Hermania Abara. So what she says is reinvention ripples through many layers of our lives. And I think that school and going back to school, whatever age you are, wherever you're at in your career, wherever you're at in life, can be that ripple that will not only positively affect you, but positively affect those around you as well. So I just wanted to uh, kind of end my thoughts uh, sharing that. There's this personal achievement that broke up my life, right? My, my life, it wasn't stagnant necessarily, but it definitely kicked me well outside of my comfort zone. And again, you've heard me say, all possibility lies outside the comfort zone. That's why I can attribute, you know, going back to school with so many things that I'm experiencing now that I'm still reaping the, the benefits of. Uh, so, yes. Steve, absolutely. At, at the time I went back to school, I had two sons and, and wanted to, exact same thing, right? Wanted to show that it can be done and uh, you're, you're not trapped. You can always change all that great stuff. So I'm, I'm just going to end it there and, and be like, as usual, Steve, I agree. Celine, I agree. <laughs> well, that only took 30 years to get him to agree with us. Holy crap. I know. <laughs> And, guys, this time it's it's documented. Like, it's recorded. Like, the world is going to hear this. Hey, Celine, I do have one other area that I guarantee you will will agree with me. You want to hear it? Yes. Band is better than orchestra. Okay, Will, time no, to wrap up the podcast. No, 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 he can't because his son was on TV. And next week we'll hear from <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do no. it. No. His son is on my side now. I, my, my, my community is growing. My orchestra community is growing. <laughs> I, I, I don't even have words. Uh, and with that, I'm going I'm to end on that note, folks. Uh, Steve, as always, my friend, thank you for your, your thoughts, your insights, uh, your statistics. Uh, Celine, my friend, thank you, thank you, thank you for – balancing us out for your thoughts, your insights, and, again, your vulnerability. And I've, I've got to point this out. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't. You threw out some stuff that just came out so casually. You know, at the time I went back to get my MBA, I was just, just coming off of chemo and, like, moved right on. <laughs> and I she still – She right. And I just so appreciate that, and I hope everyone else thought it too. Uh, and I'll just leave it there. I don't want to put you on the spot any more than, than I just did. Thank you both so much. And, uh, folks, we're done with this one. Let's, let's wrap this up. I think it's probably apparent we had way too much fun with this episode. You could probably tell that. But there were some great little gems that we shared as well. Among them, bring whatever talents you have to get to where you want to be. In Celine's case, she was great at writing reports and proposals. She brought that to the table almost as a trade-off 
for the math and experience, right? Or not being comfortable with the math. She brought what she had to make the rest of the team successful. You also have to make yourself competitive in whatever way that is. That's by no means, we're not saying that you have to go get another degree or another certification or any of that stuff. However, look at your marketplace. What's changed? Maybe things are more digital. Well, you don't even have to look. I'll tell you right now, things are more digital. Things are virtual. You're listening to this. Who knows where? Are you still competitive? Are your strengths, are your skills still up to snuff to be at the top of your game? Just food for thought. You also have to build community. Yes, we drove this one home. We we kicked it. We beat it. We telegraphed it, all of those things, because it is that important. Going back to school, meeting a new group of folks, getting a new certification, a new vocation, whatever the case may be, is absolutely an opportunity to broaden, create, expand your community. And I'll tell you, you can never have too much community. Steve talked about this, and it fit me as well. You have to listen to your heart and follow your purpose, whatever it is. Again, it does not have to be getting another degree or certification or going back to school, whether part-time, full-time, button seat, whatever. What's your heart telling you? Is that aligned with your purpose? Are you part of that 32% that thinks that going back, getting more, doing more has no benefit to you? Look outside your comfort zone. What's there? Just take a look. That's all I ask. And then the last one, and again, just continues to blow my mind. Use your time wisely and effectively. And what blows my mind is just hearing Steve say again, and it's not the first time he said it, he would spend 60,000 miles a year driving around for work. Now, what's so awesome about that, he used the time to listen to podcasts that would help him with research papers or projects or whatever. So use your time wisely. Get creative. I want to hear from you. I'm, I'm curious at this point. What was your back-to-school experience like? Why do you think people decide not to go back or pursue additional education, vocation, or certification? You know, any of those Asians. Go ahead. Share your thoughts. Share your responses wherever you listen to this podcast or just send me an email. Will.Campbell at LogicConsulting.com. We want to hear from you. Public service announcement number two. Whatever it is you want to do, you can. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of Thriving in the Transition, Season 2, Episode 19. Thanks for joining us for our sophomore season. If you're getting something from this podcast, go ahead, give us that five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and add us to the list of other great podcasts you listen to. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Logic Consulting. Also, follow me on Instagram at Logic Coach. You know what? Follow me on Spotify too, at GQ Down, not just for the podcast, but for the music too that me and my guests use to help us thrive in the transition. Reach out on LinkedIn at DJ Will Rock. Don't forget to follow the YouTube channel as well, Thriving in the Transition. And yeah, the website, www.thrivingintheTransition.com. You can get all of our episodes right from that website. Just go there. And while you're there, take a really good look around. Admire some of the original artwork. I think I mentioned I'm an artist and photographer. Some of that's there. But see how else we can connect. Maybe you need a coach, a business consultant, or a keynote speaker. Let's change the world together. Okay, folks, listener engagement time. And I, and I really mean it here. What do you want to hear? What topics are impacting your transition? Let's make this little thing we've got even more valuable. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting this podcast and helping us grow, send me an email, a tweet, an IM, or a direct message. Better yet, you can go to my Patreon site, www.patreon.com forward slash T-I-T-T. Become a patron. Just click the become a patron button. Most importantly, 
Don't keep this a secret. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, and tell your children. What better gift than to show all your loved ones that it's never too late to learn something new and pursue your passions. Until the next episode, folks, cheers. Have a great day.